It's five minutes till. The house is still a mess. The dog just slipped out the front door and is running down the street. And you just realize one of the kids didn't put pants on this morning. And oh, look, we haven't mopped the floor in 20. 20. The guests are here, but it's going to be okay. Today, we're talking imperfect hospitality here on Elevate Ordinary. See you in a moment. Well, come on in and welcome to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another conversation about day-to-day life and those little opportunities that we have to grow in grace and virtue and to receive God's love every day. And today we're talking about one of our, our favorite topics. We're going to take a stab at it, an essay forth on this topic of uh, of hospitality. It's going to be a messy essay, a messy stab at the topic, but that's okay because it fits the topic. Uh, this imperfect hospitality um, that we're fond of practicing because it's the only kind we know and the only kind we're good at. Um, but why don't you start us off, Teresa? Where do you want to go with this today? Well, I kind of wanted to take a journey through how God has worked in our life um, through hospitality, like other people's hospitality, and how he's revealed his truth to us and guided us along our Christian journey through situations of hospitality, situations Mm -hmm. of friendship. Um, And so I guess uh, I wanted to start this out by um, maybe talking a little bit about our current state. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have five relatively young kids. Our oldest is nine. Our youngest is 13 months. We live in a pretty small house (laughs) with a a big backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have... A we host a moms and a dads group, um, for kind of like our, our our like local Catholic community. The moms group has about seventy members on the email list. I'm not sure how many the dads group it has. Um, and what's interesting about this group is that it was kind of hobbled together when we first moved to the community that we're in now. While I was in the middle of postpartum depression, it was very or- organic. Yeah, you know, so the families that are doing stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean we kind of want to go through how um how imperfect hospitality is really I think a way that we're going to get back um our parishes, uh you know, um the role of the laity at mm-hmm. the parishes. Um so yeah, I kind of wanted to go yeah. To go through that. You know, it's interesting because we all recognize this need. We recognize the need for community, the need for hospitality, and we want it. You know, it's part of being human. You know, we're, we're always sort of desperate for it. But it's it's weird in our modern world, we're more hyper-connected than ever before. You know, our technologies and things seem to make us closer, more connected. But And yet, you know, we're more disconnected. You know, we're not really having the kind of community and hospitality that we need as human beings, you know, as friends, as, as family members. Um, but there's a dilemma. There's sort of a paradox there because when we try to make it, when we, we try to address that need, sometimes we, you know, we make a program, we make an institution, we start a something official, and we end up finding that it's a ton of work, and nobody really wants another thing in their schedule. And you know, and, and there's there's sort of this this paradox here where because it's not happening or happening organically, um, we we try to fill this need, but it doesn't. It never quite works out. So there's there's kind of a, a paradoxical nut to crack here that we. 
we need hospitality. We need community. Um, in our world, though we're connected, it seems that we're more uh, further apart than ever before. And yet we're not really sure how to attack that. How do we actually, you know, uh, return to like authentic organic community? Uh, because we, we don't, we don't often find it even when we're trying the hardest. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a paradox there. Yeah. yeah. We, so in thinking about hospitality, we have both like our lived journey, mm-hmm. the way in which we've experienced good forms of hospitality and mm-hmm. then like awkward forms of hospitality. Mm-hmm. But I also found myself thinking like, why do we go to Bible studies at our church? Like the first thing you do when you join a church and you want to get involved is sure. like, well, I'll just find the program right. and I'll come to that. And you know, like where are the young people, where are the young people my age or young moms or whatever, and I'll just go to that Bible study mm-hmm. and I'll meet someone and we'll become friends. Mm-hmm. But that almost never happens. Um, and I kept thinking to myself, like, why is it that you go to a Bible study mm-hmm. and then you never see those people again, even if you yeah. had a great time, great discussion, you know? So what, <laughs> why is it that some events work Mm. and other events don't work Yeah, in terms of creating lasting fellowship. Yeah. I remember when we were first married, uh, I think think, thinking a lot in the first year, we were starting to do social things as a couple. And just, I I remember, you know, just feeling like this is so much, there's so much stress associated with this. Mm. Like this is such a big mental block. Like this, this, I'm exhausted when this is over. And not just because I'm, I'm, you know, a bit of an introvert, but like why especially coming off of our college experience, like why is hospitality, why is community so hard? Why do, why does it feel like I have this big well, hump to get over? Let me back up yeah. and actually describe our college experience. Sure. So um, like the creators of Awakened Catholic, uh, we went to college at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and we had this phenomenal Newman Center. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I mean, like you'd go different places in the Catholic world, like go to conferences or retreats, and they would know what Newman Center you were talking about um, because of its reputation. Um, and it just seemed like friendships flourished, events flourished, the sacraments flourished. You know, it was just this this incredible, you know, young adult experience. And it was hard to like really put your finger on what it was, you know? So we had some people who lived at the Newman Center, like actually on the um, the campus of the church, mm-hmm. you know? And then some people lived in dorms and some people lived, you know, in um, other apartments on town. But there was this fireside lounge, yeah, you know, where anyone could come, whether you were a student or not. And everybody, and it was attached to the Newman Center. So like people just hung out there. And this third space mm-hmm. was like the space that you would end up at after the program, you know, say your, your Catholic program that you put on on Thursday nights for all the young college students goes great. Mm-hmm. But like the thing you really look forward to, I realized as a student was like the time after, you know, the after party when every, you know, the, the, the sophomore student who came, who's had two psychology classes and she's questioning everything the Catholic church teaches because it's so archaic and silly sits with you at a table and you sit there and you like hash it out for an hour afterwards. Right. And then you go back to fireside or you go to the pub, you know, and you, you talk for longer. And it was those particular experiences mm-hmm. that you wanted. You yeah. couldn't really figure out how to make them happen. It was almost the, the outside of the official things. I mm-hmm. mean, certainly there were good programs, good meetings, good, you know, uh, campus ministry events, but really, yeah, that was, there were, there were a lot of those experiences on, on the margins yeah. the in between times, you know, the, the, the space in between the third spaces yeah. in the schedule. That's Leah, where, if well, you, if you're yeah. looking into third spaces, Leah Labresco, who's a Catholic convert, 
Um, she writes a lot about that. She's got a book called Building the Benedict Option that I would really, mm. I'd really encourage. Um, sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. No, it's right. yeah, <laughs> So but then we, we, yeah. we got married and we went to John, John Mark's home parish in mm-hmm. Zanesville, Ohio, kind of out, um, far from where I was accustomed to, far from any of our friends. And, you know, there was kind of nothing going on for young adults. So just coming off of our Newman Center, we were it's a real like, shock. You know, yeah. going from a college campus to southeastern Ohio, you know, living very different literally culture. out in the middle of a cornfield, you know, whereas <laughs> before we'd been living almost in community in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, with with fellow Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were kind of like, oh, the closest Newman stuff is like an hour away in Columbus, you know, where we try to get together with young adults, but that's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of young adults at our parish, you know, should we invite them over one at a time for dinner? Like we we're trying to figure out how to get into this. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just ask the Dominicans, because we were at an awesome Dominican parish at the time, um, if we can just throw something in the bulletin, you know, um, like pints or something like, I think we called it Faith on Tap, because mm-hmm. um, we wanted to start, actually, I remember, okay, so this is an important point. We wanted to start a theology on tap, because we had heard of them before, and we we're like, yeah, let's do a theology on tap where we meet at a bar, and we have a speaker, mm-hmm. and then people just hang out afterwards. And so then we find out that, like, Theology on tap, of course, is like copyrighted. And there are all these, you have to have like officers, like a president, a treasurer, a this, a that. And we're like, and not that that's a bad thing, and not that, right. you know, there's a reason why those things aren't there, but we're just like, this is a hindrance yeah. to us even starting with community. So we just, we were yeah. like, let's call it faith on tap. Yeah. And we just kind of threw it out there. And after masses, we kind of like looked for the young people and Mm -hmm. we personally invited them and asked for their email so that we could send it out. And we started a nice young adults group that Mm -hmm. I think it may still be continuing possibly under a different name. Um, You know, but we, we, people met and couples got married, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and like it was, it was really phenomenal, but it was just like finding a third space. Mm -hmm you know, like a pub or something, inviting someone interesting. Mm-hmm. One of, we always had, a, a, you know, Dominican seminarians or other priests from the area coming in and out, right. you know, and then just putting the invitation out there personally. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the organic aspect of it, you know, we, it was the first attempt uh, to, to have something official. Again, we were kind of frustrated by the difficulty of it. And it was really just, you know, doing it word of mouth, asking people, inviting people. But again, the, the, the overarching context here is, again, moving from a situation of, of intense, really un, unusual community in our modern world at the Newman Center it was great. Um, and then moving out to the real world and recognizing, well, OK, even though we're, we're, we're out in the real world now, we still we all need community and we're meeting people who need community. But somehow we have to figure out how to do that in the midst of jobs and families and schedules, you know, uh, and everybody being too busy and all the stuff that we all face. And so, you know, beginning with that first attempt to a young adults group and, and the many experiences since, in, in some sense, what's what the journey has been is trying to looking back at the college experience, looking back at our childhoods and different experiences we've had of really, really unique and good hospitality um, that we that we experience in, in those contexts. The, and then, you know, by trial and error, trying to figure out how do, how do we do this? How do we do this as families? How do we do this as couples? How do we do this in the midst of a busy parish where there's a, you know, there's a thousand families in the parish? You know, how do we figure out to begin to build real community in those contexts? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think quantity time is a real key because being someone who didn't grow up around a lot of children, mm-hmm. 
and who didn't really even want children or wasn't paying attention to what it took to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, A few instances in which I was kind of like thrust into a situation with a lot of children or or a family, walking Mm -hmm. into a family, um, some of the impressions that I got stayed have stayed with me even to this day you know like a particular look that a mom got you know or something she did with her kids you know or something like that you know just spending some time with that person who opened up her messy house to me Mm -hmm. you know um really changed my mind there was this family that you grew up with Mm. that you you guys homeschooled with Mm. they had have 10 kids and i remember the first time i went to their house was for a dance i think Mm. Uh, they hosted um a wedding or a dance or something at their house, but they had a barn on their property and they intentionally kind of like chipped away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can probably tell the story better than I can, but this is just my imp- impression mm-hmm. meeting them. Um, that they like chipped away at like putting together this outdoor space, like yeah. a dance floor, mm-hmm. um, an area for tables, like a, a cozy sitting area, an outhouse <laughs> so that people can go to the bathroom, yeah. you know, like a DJ area. Um, and then they like they hosted weddings there mm-hmm. and homeschool dances. And I remember we had met them because they were catering. Um, we'd met them on another occasion and they were catering in a church, someone's wedding. And she was telling me, oh, God was so good. Like somebody just, you know, before they asked us to do this catering, like we we stumbled upon 200 plates. <laughs> and, and so then they asked us to cater this and we had all the plates. Like those those little moments of intentionality about what you are going to do with your own property or your Mm -hmm. own home with, you know, opening, opening it up to other friends, neighbors, you know, people from your church. When we finally got our own property, I was mindful. I'd be like, anytime I, I see a folding chair Mm -hmm. for a buck, I'm going to grab it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, this person's getting away rid of a folding table or someone wants to give us a table. I kind of just like amassed these things, Mm -hmm. plates. We got a lot of plates at one point, some forks at rummage sales and things. And now like a few years down the road, we are really equipped Mm -hmm. to host a lot of people at our house, Mm -hmm. you know, on a whim. And that, that has been so beautiful over the course of our marriage, because I know we can see someone at church and just Mm -hmm. be like, Hey, you want to come over for ice cream after this? And we have space and we have chairs and we have tables. We can just throw up in the backyard. Yeah. Um, But those examples of other people's hospitality Mm -hmm. was something that just really, really helped me form my own heart to be intentional about hospitality. Yeah, in, in those examples you gave, again, you, so you brought up the idea of third spaces, that's an important point here, and quantity time, mm-hmm. about creating the, the, in some sense, quantity time is our, is the, is the third space in terms of, mm-hmm. of time, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. there's, there's a time for like form, like a formal event, you know, you're going to church or going to a talk or whatever, but there needs to be those spaces in between times where you're just with people, you just mm-hmm. exist with people. And so too, there are certain spaces that are, that are for a purpose, like the sanctuary, you know, of the Catholic church is for the mass. It's not really, it's not really for the social time, but there needs to be that other space where people can just be together. And so, you know, the quantity of time in the third space is together. Like that's something we experienced at people's houses or at the Newman center that we, that we spent time at, or we've, you know, we've encountered that at really great coffee shops that mm-hmm. occasionally, you know, but there has to be these places in society and we need to form them if they're not there, the opportunities for people just to be together. And that that's the, the again, the third space, the concept of a third space is that space that's, 
that's just set aside for being with people. Mm -hmm. It's not for the mass. It's not for the lecture. It's not for, it's, it's just to be together with people. And then there needs to be the time for people to just be there together. I really like how you called quantity time a third it's, it's kind of like the third space. space in terms of time yeah because this is interesting because when we moved to steubenville yeah. after we got married um for you to start your degree mm-hmm. um i joined a mom's group right away and i was really frustrated being somebody at this point i had one child and was pregnant with our second and i was really frustrated that I, we would go to these mom's nights and i'm like they're not even like doing a Kimberly Hahn book study or they're not reading the catechism. You know, like we're just sitting together and talking about our spouses and children. Like, isn't this counterproductive? Shouldn't we really be using our time well? And by the end of our year and a half in Steubenville, I was those nights where we just existed as women, as moms, as um, spouses, they were like balm to my my brokenness that was occurring. Cause like when we were in Steubenville and after I had our second child, I had postpartum depression, but I didn't realize it. Mm. And being able to be in the community of women who had, you know, some had as many kids as I did. Some had many, many kids, you know, so they were at a different time in peer in parenting than I was. And so to be able to come there and just be like, like so visibly stressed out and mm-hmm. like, they could see in me something that they knew from their own experience, you know, the kind of stress where I was, you know, like with, with two kids and whatever. Um, and they could like, they could just, they could help me, you know, in a way that I couldn't help myself. Um, so when we ended up having to leave Steubenville, Steubenville and relocate to my home, Mm -hmm. you know, where we were finally settling up here in Northwest Ohio, I knew that I wanted what we were leaving in Steubenville here. So like I mentioned in our kind of frazzled intro, um, (laughs) I started our mom's group here in Northwest Ohio um, while I was like in the midst of postpartum depression and like just having a really hard time. But I knew that I needed that support group. And what was interesting is that the women who ended up finding me, because Mm -hmm. I didn't find them, the women who ended up finding me, calling me, hearing from someone somehow that I was Mm -hmm. starting a mom's group. I mean, I don't even know how these situations happened. Um, These other women were also praying Mm -hmm. for fellowship, for friends, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And we, we started out by having play groups mm-hmm. once a week, which is a, a quantity time kind of thing yeah. where you just go and you just let your kids play yeah. and there's no expectation. There are no crafts. There's no anything. The kids are just playing, yeah. you know, and you kind of get to know people. But then we also did mom's nights and I was really specific about you don't have to clean. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Just provide a snack and some tea or like a beverage or whatever. And our house at the time was really kind of old fashioned, very, very old, falling apart. Um, and we started having mom's nights there and it was so setting the expectations low, I think allows people's personalities really to come forward. Um, Mm -hmm. because one of my tricks, uh, for, (laughs) for (laughs) this is my intentional ministry trick. Okay. I set standards so low. (laughs) So when we have things at our house, I'm like, I'm going to clean the bathroom and the table that we're sitting at. And that's it. <laughs> so that anytime I'm like, you should just have mom's night at your house. You should just host play group at your house. It's so easy. People can be like, well, it's not going to be as bad as like 
when I was at Teresa's house <laughs> because it was really gross around the toilet and she still had people there and we all were laughing and we stayed till midnight and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to those examples again. So in, in, in Steubenville, like the, the men's group was like that too. It was very, very laid back. You know, the guys just got together every week, took turns, took turns hosting. We didn't do anything structured. We just had a bonfire and we had some beers and, you know, we just talked and again, there's a lot to that. Number one, it makes it very easy because there's not a lot of pressure to, to do something. But also, it, it sort of takes away the maybe the barriers to, to getting over the hump of just getting to be comfortable with people. Because that's another aspect of this is that um, to really get to a place of vulnerability and comfort with people where you can just be with people. There is a hump that you have to get over. Like there's the initial awkwardness. There's the initial getting to know you. There's the initial, you know, talking about the weather. And there's. I the remember in- one time I walked into a mom's house. <laughs> yeah. And she was screaming at her kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're going to be best friends. And I mean, that was that hump was over. Right. You know, you're right. Like there's something yeah. that you have to you have to kind of see that ridiculous vulnerability. And right. we could just both stand in front of in front of each other and be like, yep, we're. We're just both like this. Yeah. Yeah. And and if, if all, if all of our community stuff are, are functions and programs, institutional planned artificial things, the problem is it's very easy to never actually get to that place where everything else is out of the way. And I'm just with people, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're down, we're heading down that journey. And again, it's a, it's a journey. Like, again, we experienced early on in our marriage, like we'd come from this college experience and like, why, why is having a social life, which we need, we need community. Why is it suddenly such a stressful thing? Um, and it's, you know, you have, you need those intense uh, experiences of quantity time, just mm-hmm. being with people to get over that hump to where now all the awkwardness is out of the way. You know, we've, we've been honest with each other. We've seen each other's, you know, faults and failings and we can just be, we can feel at home and we want to give that to other people too. And that's again, gets to your point about, you know, setting low standards when you are initiating this in your community you know, set low standards so that people, you know, um, can, can strike out on that, that journey themselves. We, we had a quote here. This was, um, Leah Labresco, who you mentioned earlier, she's quoting, um, an Anglican priest. I don't know his name, but uh, he's a priest from Tennessee, but he wrote, I think on his blog, uh, scruffy hospitality means you're not waiting for everything in your house to be in order before you host and serve friends in your home. Scruffy hospitality means you hunger more for good conversation and serving a simple meal of what you have, not what you don't have. Scruffy hospitality means you're more interested in quality conversation than the impression your home or lawn makes. If we only share meals with friends when we're excellent, we aren't truly sharing life together. So I begin to ask this question, a good question. What does it look like to welcome people into my humility rather than my standard of excellence? welcoming people into my humility. I think that's a great, a great line from that, you know, because that's what we're, what we're wanting, what we're needing from one another is we're needing to get past that, that, that outer exterior veneer that we put up. We're needing to let people in and push mm-hmm. past those barriers and other people so that we can just be at home mm-hmm. with one another. Do you know, uh, something that really helped me with mm-hmm. that was meal trains. Yeah. So meal trains are like, um, when you're having, particularly like our, in our mom's group. I love this ministry. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Um, like when you're having a baby, mm-hmm. we'll set up certain days that people can volunteer to bring your family food. So you right. can just relax and <laughs> be with the baby and do nothing, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you should be doing yeah. <laughs> after you've had a baby. Um, 
And it, so the Steubenville Moms Group did a great job with this. Mm. Um, I mean, like there, there were probably like 150 ladies in the group and you would just automatically get like two weeks of meals. Yeah. And it would vary from like the, and again, this is, this is something that allows the people's personalities to come out mm-hmm. because sometimes you'd get a meal that would be like, gourmet meal, you know, with a gourmet dessert and like the woman just loves to cook and she thought way ahead about it, you know, and then you'd get a meal where like, I remember one time the, the, the leader of this mom's group, which is just this woman who I, I still think of in my mind today, who I just behold is just this amazing, amazing woman. Um, but she, she's like, all right, I'm bringing you soup. Do you need to have a pot ready? And I'm like, okay. And she came (laughs) over with one of those plastic pitchers you know, that you put like iced tea in, in yeah. the summertime. And she had it, she came up to the door and she like poured the soup <laughs> into my pot. And she was like, or, or she came in the door and she's like, I need this p- pitcher back. <laughs> she, so she, she like poured it in and she took her pitcher back. And there's something about that that was just so, mm-hmm. like she had six kids, yeah. you know, and she, she wanted mm-hmm. to take care of our family yeah. and she, this is what she could do yeah. for us on this day that she signed up for, yeah. you know? Um, so I think about her a lot, but, um, the meal train ministry is interesting because you, it's a little scary because you allow other people to take care of you mm-hmm. and you kind of allow them in your space. Yeah. And I think, so we've had four babies where mm-hmm. we've had, no, three babies where we've had meal trains and, this last one was, was just particularly lovely because the, the mom was like waiting for me to go into labor and she wanted to know, she wanted to bring the first meal. And she like came into my bedroom because I had the baby at home this last time. She Mm -hmm. came into my bedroom and she like fed me in bed and she was kind of irritated that we had like French fries already (laughs) for that day. She's like, that's not healthy for you. (laughs) Um, but she brought me like, oops, sorry. I keep bumping my microphone. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. It's messy. Audio. Yeah. (laughs) We're definitely messy. Um, you know, and she brought me stuff for the middle of the night and it was just like, it just seemed like the community was just, we were just ready for Teresa to have this baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like that too, with other moms where I'm just like waiting to hear, you know, so that we can start showering them with food and comforts and, you know, taking care and thanking them. Honestly, like I I remember Francis Mm -hmm. this last time thanked me for having the baby. Mm. And I was just like, oh yeah, yes. Like we brought a new yeah. life into the world. Well, this is a, a wonderful thing. You know, and there's another aspect of it too here, this uh, giving someone else the opportunity to serve you. You know, again, going back to the beginning, the, the messy beginning here, um, there's a there's a lot of paradoxes around community and hospitality because we're desperate for it, but we don't quite know how to make it happen. It's it's awkward. It's difficult. It's, it's stressful. Um, sometimes we're, we're so desperate to help other people, but we're just not really sure how to get started. Well, one of the best, ways to get started is to turn it around and give them an opportunity to yeah. serve you in the meal train. You, you, you ask for someone else's help. Like I need help, you know, mm-hmm. and that's such a, a, a movement of humility saying that I need help. Yeah. Giving someone else an opportunity to, to do something special for you. And, it's, and, and I love the, the, the food aspect of it too, because in our modern world, it's easy to, to, for all charity to become, you know, kind of impersonal transactions of money, you know, and it, it's, a very profound thing to have an opportunity with your hands to make something and share something with somebody else. I think this works really well, especially for men's groups mm-hmm. too, because 
it, it may be hard. Like women are always trying to put their husbands on like Catholic mandates. Like you should <laughs> hang out with this person's husband. You guys need to get to know each other because you'd be really good friends and he needs a friend. And, you know, but those you can't have those because they're awkward and they're not going to produce friendship. Right, right. But when a man asks, like, I got to put this fence up or yeah, like I got to raise a barn. A, I got to build a fence. We need to slaughter a pig. We have friends that slaughter pigs. You know, you know I have any six kind pallets of, coming on Monday that a uh, play set that's half the size of my yard. You yeah. Know. And tons of men show up because you want to do something, yeah. you know, and it's not awkward. Yeah. Men's gatherings in particular need an activity. That's something I've learned from, from doing men's things. They have to have a bonfire or a place that you're building or a fence you're building, you know, that you can, you can stand around and, and drink some beers. Like, but there has to be kind of a center of, of attention and activity there for men's things. Yeah. So we do that too with our, our ladies quote unquote craft nights, mm. which I think sound a little um, intimidating because <laughs> you're like, Oh, we're going to like paint a canvas when we get there and everybody, you know, is going to do the same thing or whatever. But our craft nights have been like, Bring whatever craft you've been working on yeah. or like your laundry to fold or we had junk um, we had a woman once bring <laughs> the contents of her junk drawer and idea. go through it. Um, but it's great because you're all kind of doing something with your hands and it takes the awkwardness out of just being together. Mm -hmm. And those craft nights always end up being the nights where it's like we go until like midnight or one o'clock talking, right. you know, and laughing and drinking wine. Mm -hmm. um, like they just turn into these great nights. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're not perfect and they're not organized and pretty much only the space that we're crafting on is clean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, ha you have to, I mean, there's, there can be a lot of ideas and tips and things here, but there's also, and this gets back a bit to the third spaces and the quantity time stuff that there's no substitute for just doing it, mm. you know? And, and mm. as we, one of our favorite quotes from Chesterton is if something's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. <laughs> And I don't think that applies to anything as as apropos as uh, as hospitality. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing. It's worth starting mm -hmm. badly, messily. You know, you meet a new family at a parish. Don't wait for the perfect time. Have a meal. Have them over. Just do it. Get over the hump because it it only takes a little bit of quantity time. Even if the quality is quite low, mm -hmm. the quality of the of the conversation, the quality of the food, the quality of the state of the house. Yeah. But the get over the hump of a little bit of quantity time and you can get to that place where you've got people that you both can just be at home with. Mm -hmm. You can just be yourself. You can be at home with, you need that as parents, as husbands, as wives, your kids need that. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they need hospitality. They need community time. That's not fancy. That's just, these are my people. Mm -hmm. This is just time together. And so there's no substitute from just trying to do it. Just, just do it. Yeah. yeah. And God will provide you with those wonderful little sprinkles of humility Yes, in those first meetings, like the poop explosion that leaves your toddler completely naked for the rest of the time that you're at the friend's house, you know, <laughs> or someone falls. We've had this happen before where like we neglect to tell people we have a massive like mud pit in our backyard. Oh, and then yeah. they send their kids over and they get dirty, obviously. And, we're and then we're like, oh, we've got sending to, you them know, home like, with clothes. And yeah, shoes. We, we put on, we put different clothes on their kids. And, yeah. you know, it's just God provides through children lots of awkward situations to help right. Right. <laughs> solidify a friendship. Yeah. And again, by the things that you do, by the, uh, again, even the messy attempts that you make, you, you, you take the initiative and you start the dominoes, you know, you make it easier for somebody else to then take that next step. 
you know, they can, they can have people over. If, if you've been able to, to do it, even when it was imperfect and it was messy, you've now made it easier for everyone else to take those same steps themselves. Yeah. And you know what? Through quantity time, I've, I've realized this. We have some very, very, very close friends. Mm-hmm. We're now very close friends mm-hmm. who I would, it, spending time with them, mm-hmm. I would not have chosen to continue the friendship. I would have been like, well, they're just different than me. They're just not the kind of people I'm going to hang out with. But because we had like imposed quantity time, whether it be like we were building something for someone and the ladies had to like hang out together or or some, some reason why we all had to be together that you persist past like this, this person is not exactly like me, Mm -hmm. you know, you persist past that and you like, my life has been changed. I'm thinking of two women in particular. I hope you can't figure out who you are <laughs> if you're even listening to this. But I'm thinking of two women in particular who, them being so different from me, even in the way they handle things, yeah. like has really enriched my life, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But I would have never allowed that situation in my life because I would have yeah. been like, well, they're not my kind of people. Well, that's part of it. We talked about uh, in a recent episode on uh, the clique versus the clan, Chesterton's whole thing of the, the clique and the clan. Um, we tend to we tend to be trained by our society, by our social media, to seek out people who are exactly like us, who are already like perfectly aligned to our temperament and our political beliefs and all of our opinions, so that we have ready-made friends made out for us. But oftentimes, those aren't necessarily the best friendships for us. And certainly, if we wait around for those perfect friendships, we may ne- never have them. You know, sometimes God puts people into our lives, and we need to to uh, be neighbors to them. And have a meal and just have time because sometimes we find that under the surface of someone who might be very different than us, mm-hmm. we find that that really rich friendship that we never could have expected. Yeah. yeah. So this is our first stab at hospitality. I, talking I'm about sure hospitality. we'll come back to it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come back to it again. I kind of want to cap this episode because... Sure. We have a ton of different facets of hospitality that we'd like to go into. Um, But I do want to leave maybe if you're thinking about what's a a first practical step Mm -hmm. that I can take. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a person with children Mm -hmm. that you frequently have to take out of mass to the back of church, find another mom that's back there with a kid similar age, get to talking and just invite them over for lunch that day. I mean, I guess we're, we're in the middle of COVID, so I don't know what your comfort level is, but it, say in the future, say, say perhaps next year, like this is something you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just as simple as that. And honestly, unless they have something going on, I've rarely had people say no mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> you know, it's hard to, we live in a society where we're not very blunt anymore, face to face. And we over plan yeah, you know. so it's hard. I've I've rarely had people say no. Yeah. Um, and if you do have a small group of already kind of ish friends at your church or like people that you would like to be friends, just ask if you want to have a, like a play date and meet at a park or something, mm-hmm. um, and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, or have them over for ice cream. You don't even have to have dinner or yeah. ice cream or soups. It's fall. You can do like a little soup buffet or something like that. Um, but just just do it. Yes. It's worth doing. It's worth doing badly. So just do it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to end. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) Imperfect Hospitality, thanks for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Um, We hope you'll join us again next time. If you like what Awaken Catholic is doing here, this ministry, please join the Awaken Nation, awakencatholic.org slash donate. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. We really appreciate that. Also, go now, download the Hallow app. It's a great app. You can get the 30-day free trial subscription, which supports our ministry, but also gives you access to awesome Christian meditation, 
um, so many cool meditations, you know, the rosary, liturgy of the hours, uh, talks by Father Michael Schmitz and lots of other cool stuff. That's the Hallow app, hallow.app slash awaken. Go check that out. So thank you again for joining us for Elevate Ordinary. We'll talk to you next week. God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.